What's up, everybody? Welcome in to a brand new live episode of the Titan Up Talk. I am Trey Wynn, also joined by Blake Shoemaker, also known as the infamous COVID Blake, because here we are. COVID, uh, COVID Blake, how are you doing tonight, sir? Doing well. Day six of COVID-19 and still hanging in there. Uh, nothing too bad. Uh, I was talking to Bobic and Ianello earlier. <laughs> yeah. Earlier about that being my prop bet. That's my lock of the day is I will be called COVID Blake within 30 seconds of the start of the broadcast. So Ooh. too bad I couldn't get those odds somewhere. But you know. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You would have gotten it because, well, I guess the intro video is about a minute. So we'll see uh, what happens. But speaking of our guys, Mike and, and Ben over at the competition problem, we want to let you see a little preview here of what they've got in store in case you are into the sports betting crowd. You aren't really gambling with money. You're gambling with your reputation. Gambling with your good name. What would they consider my good name? The purest of all pure? Person that doesn't make mistakes? Think you have a gambling problem at all? No. Because I can stop gambling. I have a competition problem. What's going on, everybody? This is Trey Wynn with Chat 10 Sports, and I am very excited to bring you the competition problem with Ben Bobic and Mike Ionello. And folks, it is a lot of fun to work with these guys. I'm excited to bring you some good content for the sports betting crowd. And in case you have a competition problem as well, go ahead and subscribe to the feed. Make sure and join along for the ride. Episode one is coming soon. That is right, folks. The competition problem is live now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Episode 1. I was I was lucky to have a little bit of a uh, an intro there with the guys, and I'm excited. Ben, Blake, I'm sorry. I almost called you Ben. COVID, Blake, what did you think of – I know you've only heard – I've only heard part of the podcast, but what did you think so far as far as the problem – sorry, the competition problem? I think it's great. Uh, it's clear that uh, this is going to bring a great – addition to our network, especially with sports betting being open in the state of Tennessee now. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but a lot of people don't really understand it. So mm -hmm. these are going to be some of the finer points that we can enjoy, and it'll join our podcast network of all of these other great products you see here. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And everyone, as, as you know, those Vols, Titans, Preds, Braves fans, we want to actually cater specifically to you as we are in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And as I look up, I have a ladybug trying to get one tonight on my wall. Sorry, that scared me for a second. <laughs> Um, but yeah, great content. Mike Piper and Chase Green putting out great content with Valhalla. Obviously, Blake, COVID Blake's taking over Chase's role here with the Titan Up Talk and the Hitting Dingers crew and Preds Report. Obviously, off with the MLB and NHL season. NHL season's kind of still up in the air. Is that right? I haven't seen anything official. It is. It, uh, I think the latest I heard, they're, they're shooting for a start date just after the beginning of the year, but they're still mm -hmm. trying to hammer out the logistics and all of that. But I know I'm ready for some hockey. That's right, man. And speaking of getting together around a nice TV together, this Sunday, if you're in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, you are invited to come out and join us at Parkway Poorhouse at 12 o'clock. We have a social hour. The Chattanooga Titans fans are hosting us at Parkway Poorhouse, our fantastic hub for all of our events and watch parties. Be there early to get a seat. And of course, as always, we have our halftime trivia, as well as giveaways and much, much more, including Parkway Poorhouse. As I said, our hub, incredible food, incredible atmosphere. Want to make sure you all know if you're in the 423, stop by the Parkway Poorhouse and have a great time and great uh, great evening, if you will. But, Blake, we're not here to talk about all the fancy stuff, all the housekeeping stuff. Let's talk some Tennessee Titans. And obviously, in case you are wondering, here in about 15 minutes, uh, the Rams' pats are taken off. The pregame show I've got pulled up here. We'll keep an eye on that, but we'll talk some Tennessee Titans as we go. Blake, let's, let's jump in. Jaguars come into town. Obviously, we talked about it a little bit earlier this week. Don't know how you feel. I'm kind of feeling as more time goes by, I am feeling more and more concerned. How about you? A little bit. Yeah, this fits the definition of a trap game. Uh, I would feel it was even more so a trap game had the Titans taken care of business against the Browns. But it's always a tough matchup when it's a divisional foe. Here's a team in the Jags that have had very close margins. They've gotten blown out plenty earlier in the season, but it seems as though the defense is getting it together a little bit. I think four out of the last five games, the, the losses were four points or less. Um, so it's, it's not all good. It's not all bad. 
I thought it was interesting to note that the Jags last week tied an NFL single season record by allowing at least 30 points in their sixth consecutive game last week. So offenses are putting up points against this defense, even though they've tightened it up a little bit. They're still ranking dead last in NFL in total defense and 30th Wait, tight- against they, the they, run. They tightened up. They tightened up. <laughs> yeah, not the not <laughs> not the proper way. <laughs> Sorry. I had to make mention, but carry on. Yeah. So uh, worst defense overall, 30th against the run with Derrick Henry coming to town angry uh you know against the game last week uh so if there was ever a chance for him to get it right it would be this week uh, i was very interesting to note in my show prep for tonight that uh derrick henry has never had a hundred yard rushing game at the jaguars stadium uh mm-hmm. all the big moments all the big games have all happened at nissan uh but his rookie season he had 13 yards on the ground then 92 57 and 44 he's never once cracked the 100 yard mark but if it was ever a time to do it it will be now. And just for reference, earlier this year, he got 84 yards in the first matchup at Nissan. See, I know we talked about it earlier where I'm, I'm still kind of – I think last week we saw the evidence of all these carries starting to pile up, pile up for Derrick Henry, and he does not have Darrington Evans ready to go as the number – you know, I guess second-round pick still if our, <laughs> if our draft class is still intact, for goodness sake. We'll get to more stuff about that later, but I'm just saying – Derrick Henry, obviously, leading the league in touches as of last week. I'm thinking this week, that's where I am a little bit concerned because I think I think Tannehill has shown himself to be able to go out there, carry the offense enough to make a, make a difference, but not having Henry at 100% or really, honestly, kind of using him at the right times where it's kind of that one-two punch because, yes, McNichols, obviously, Dante Foreman has been helpful in, kind of as that RB2 while, while Dante uh, – or excuse me, excuse me Darrington Evans was out. Um, but just something I'm thinking. I, I, I don't know if he's going to be 100%. I don't know if it's going to be, you know – Maybe they're expecting it. And again, if they're the, if they're the worst defense in the league, that's a very great check in the right box. But it's one of those things that I just don't know if it's a physical thing because we've seen games. Sorry to be long winded. We've seen games where he's out there um, and he's just not hitting the hole as hard as he usually does. And he's not having the type of acceleration um, and even the offensive line. All credit to them. Obviously working with, you know, right. The left tackle, uh, Questenberry, uh, just it's one of those things, man. I feel like we're never we never know what we're gonna get, um, and it's one of those things that right now, unless we can bounce back with kind of a pissed off attitude after facing a legitimately good Browns team, got to give the respect where the respect is due. Um, I do think we did get down so quick. The Titans got down so much so fast that it was too much to overcome at the end. But that's kind of where my head is at. I just I just don't know if it's something that you know maybe they're expecting us to pass heavy because Henry's been kind of worn down. You know, maybe they're thinking that, and then all of a sudden we're checkmate, you know. But I'm a little bit concerned tonight, I will say. Yeah, and it's – I thought it was weird. It was kind of backwards from what I thought. We had heard from the first matchup against the Colts how mm-hmm. legit their defense was, and they really took it to us in the first matchup. And then in the second matchup, we had it in hand by the half. And then we go into Cleveland where we think we're going to easily take care of business, and then we don't. But I have to give credit to that Cleveland defensive front, Miles Garrett, constantly mm-hmm. getting pressure. Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that we just kind of underrated them on that side of the ball. And then once they mm-hmm. face the Jaguars, a, a team that squarely falls in the category of games you have to win, that yeah. will actually take care of it. Yeah, I want to give uh, a shout out here. Kevin Bear coming on the show saying the Browns jumped out early and took D. Henry out of the game. I mean, bam, it, it was quick and it was very, and that was a, that's a, a great. I mean, obviously we all saw it ourselves, but just something that it it was too much, too fast. Baker Mayfield looked like he was, I mean, Heisman winner Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma, and it was something. Obviously, our secondary. I know today we got the word of, of obviously Adoree is doubtful, although he was he did make an appearance. Um, obviously, Chris, Chris Jackson, the other <laughs> one of the other few members of our act, you know, our, our draft class that is actually contributing. Um, so he's coming back off the COVID list. It, that, that's a big check for me as far as seeing Chris Jackson back. Obviously, anything you can throw in that rotation and not to throw him under the bus because he's had a very, you know, up and down. I mean, he had a couple of really good games and a really bad game. But Breon Borders, I think he might be that outside guy looking in at the rotation a little bit. And looking at the injury report from today, Breon Borders was a non-participant both yesterday and today. I know his injury is listed as a hip. The hips tend to be really touchy. 
Uh, oh, yeah. So even though they haven't made a decision just yet, I could definitely see him being downgraded to out before the weekend. I uh, was excited to see that uh, Ben Jones, Roger Saffold, and Jonu Smith got in a full practice today after being limited yesterday. And then Darrington Evans has been a full participant yesterday and today. Uh, so hopefully if things continue on that track, we'll have that true number two that we've been hoping and waiting to see all season long, if not for the yeah. injury. Well, I know we've talked about it, you know, at, at Parkway Poorhouse while we were down here in Chattanooga watching games. That that one-two punch for having a running back that can go out there and run the ball, but also catch the ball out of the backfield. Look, we we love Henry, but he's not the greatest. He's not a Kamara. He's not a Christian McCaffrey. He cannot really go out and move or even his hands catch like those guys can make it. I just, I mean, it just sticks. Uh, and it's one of those things to me that. Having that guy that can do that, obviously McWeapon, as, as a lot of folks are dubbing him, Jeremy McNichols, is so much fun to watch. Um, I just don't want it to be something that we are, you know, it's good to be two-dimensional. You don't want to be one-dimensional dimensional offensively, but even you don't want to be, you know, so simple in what your, your two-dimensional aspect of the offense is. If you have that ability to get it out of the backfield to the passing game, it just keeps those guys up in the up in the up in the flats where guys like AJ Brown can jump back on those slant routes and make make the magic happen. So, yeah, and it's really cool to see that Tannehill just three yards away from three thousand with a handful of games to go here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, after an offseason where there was all kinds of crying and yelling about why didn't Derrick Henry get the big deal? Why in the world Tannehill is just a flash in the pan? Mm-hmm. And so far, he's he's you know proving all the doubters wrong. And Davis and Brown. On the outside, really hoping we can keep both of them in the offseason, but it's a really big question mark after this year. Yeah. Who who would you keep between the two of those guys if you had to choose right now? Gosh, if I had to pick one? Jeez. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I see that drops have become more of a problem with Brown, uh, and it's kind of inconsistent there. It seems like Davis is kind of coming into his own, and I'm sure that just comes with more time in the league uh, to kind of feel out opposing defenses and get used to facing certain fronts and certain people within mm-hmm. the division, uh, stuff like that. If I had to pick today, though, mm-hmm. Brown. I, it would be very close, but I think I would still have to go with Brown with the all the, the high energy and the big-time uh, plays he's already made in such a short time of being in the league. It just took Corey a little longer. Um, but mm-hmm. I can see him. I could, I could make a case for either very easily. Yeah. I did want to come back. Kevin bear throws up another comment here. Appreciate the interaction and everyone else. If you're watching, feel free to jump in as well. And of course, if you are watching and enjoying the show, do us a favor and share on Facebook. I know we're on YouTube as well and Periscope. So do us a favor and share. I'm not too down on, on losing to the Browns. The Browns are a good team, especially defensively and running the ball kind of like the Titans. It, we, we, we talked about it. Chubb, Henry, obviously offensively, and even for Tannehill, I wouldn't consider Tannehill, you know, a game manager per se, but I think I definitely think Baker Mayfield is, and I think he showed out where I mean, even with the Bills, that that Bill or that Browns game was similar to the Bills game, except we were on the opposite end of the beating, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where Tannehill opened up and, and everything was going right for them. I mean, that first half, the Titans could not get a, a lick, I mean, even a lifesaver of any type of thing. Luckily, in that second half, when AJ Brown speaking of drops he also fumbled on the goal line and Michael Pruitt came in to scoop it up but that was just one of those things until that moment it is it is on the forefront of my mind that we are our own worst enemy if we're going to be this Jacqueline and Hyde and especially as the AFC continues to get more and more competitive that's where it's just what are we going to do Titans you know what are we going to be so exactly mm-hmm. What else you got, man? What are you thinking as far as I mean? Are you concerned as far as the Jags, the Jags running attack? Because to me, I'm, I'm not, I'm not familiar with them enough as far as obviously Glennon coming in now. You're used to the Gardner Minshew mania that that once was. <laughs> yes, uh, even earlier this year. <laughs> cheap, cheap shot, low hanging fruit. I'm sorry, but uh, no, it, it's just something to me that I don't know what you're going to necessarily get. We haven't seen a ton of Mike Glennon, but we do know that this offense just runs the ball and they run it pretty well uh, with James Robinson. What do you think about the offense? They're putting together some of the pieces. All the pieces are there. They, they don't really have any gaping holes on offense that you would expect to see. Uh, speaking of James Robinson, he leads all rookies in rushing and yards from scrimmage, over 1,200 yards there and he ranks second in total touchdowns uh, he's 32 yards away from a thousand uh, which I did a little research and found that that way he would be the first undrafted rookie in NFL history to reach a thousand yards rushing through 14 weeks of a season mm-hmm. so what he is doing is not something that we have run across too often so legitimate running threat to keep the defense 
honest and, you know, to keep those corners and linebackers, you know, keeping that eye in the backfield. Uh, but Glennon being at the helm kind of concerns me a little bit, as I alluded to in our podcast earlier this week, simply because the big uptick in production since Glennon took over is over the middle of the field, which is the tight ends area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's had 20 targets to uh, O'Shaughnessy and Tyler Eifert, 20, effort, or 20 attempts over the past game or two, and uh, 15 completions and a couple of touchdowns, I believe it was. And the Titans have a propensity for giving up the big play to the tight end. I don't know why that is, but it seems like we are near the bottom of that category every year when it comes to covering the tight end. So you have legitimate running game. You have tight end attack that we historically have struggled to cover. You've got the blueprint out there of what the Cleveland Browns did to us last week. Uh, So then the question becomes, are we able to adjust? Are we able to make those fixes? Are they going to come in and attack the same personnel, attack with the same patterns, attack with the same things that we saw last week? Yeah, and that's that's where I think Vrabel. Obviously, I think Vrabel. We mentioned it before the Browns game. You know, one week we suck, one week we you know we're great, and all of a sudden here we are back on that same routine, Mike. Of hey, we were great last week, the last two weeks really, prior to to the Browns, and then here we are. We just, I mean, and it's one of those things. It's similar. You know, I'm I'm trying to think of our season on a you know four quarters. Obviously, we're we're almost to the end. It's unfortunate we're getting close, but. In, in a fight of a UFC fight, you could have a fighter that might be good on the ground, might be good on his feet, might grapple well. I think the Titans have to make some type of, and maybe it's one of those things that we were talking about with Henry. Um, and I want to give a shout out to uh, Kenny Bear, uh, excuse me, Kevin Bear here again, um, saying Tanny is evolving as a passer. I agree. I think it's time for him to take the pressure off of Henry to have to be that guy. And I know last year, everyone kept saying the only reason that the Titans are here is because Derrick Henry and nobody wanted to look up and acknowledge the fact that Tannehill was doing his job. If you can't stop the run, don't take a shot at the quarterback because you're not willing to step up in the gaps and, and stop the guy. And here we are now. Some people have had that figured out. The Browns, the Browns probably stopped the Derrick Henry as good as, if not better than the chiefs did last year in the AFC championship game. And there was a couple plays where they had some of those similar, obviously those inside, maybe A, A, B gap type runs where it's like, we're not getting this type of push. Why are we continuing to run these things? And I know, and I wanted to bring this up with you. I know you've been kind of vocal about it and we've made jokes about it. And I think a lot of folks are, but is Art Smith still getting too cute? You know, sometimes I, I don't understand. Uh, there was the play call that everybody was trying to break down last week, just before the big play with bad spot for Derrick Henry on fourth down, the third down and two. If you're going to commit to trying to pick up two yards and you have Derrick Henry in the backfield, why would you not just let Derrick Henry run the ball twice? Like, mm-hmm. do you really not have faith in your offensive weapon to, to get that done? And instead of doing that, instead of doing, you know, using one of your other weapons like A.J. Brown or Corey Davis, you know, or, or even the tight end, it seems like they love running that, that cross with Ferkser on third down. And sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. The play call is to roll right and throw back across to a backup offensive lineman. And I, I was engaging with some folks on social this week who, who legitimately said they had no gripe with that play call. I'm like, why would you not have a gripe with that play call? Like, of let, the list me, of possible things. Yeah, they're going to sit here and say, well, if it works, then he's the hero. And if it doesn't work, he's the – and it's like – it's a bad decision, period, point blank. We saw it at the Seahawks in 2015 in the Super Bowl. Let's not try to get too cute, but continue on. I'm sorry. I wanted to just interject oh, no. with that. No, that's a perfect example of that. So then on fourth and two, you go for it with Derrick Henry, and I think everybody can agree it was a bad spot. But people are more mm-hmm. angry with the, the referee's spot than they are with us being in that position in the first place. You cannot leave Ooh. this game in the hands of an NFL official. You're going to um, get me warmed up here, Blake. Yeah. Here's my thing. Here's where I'm going with this because – so often, and it kind of hit this week because so often Titans fans do not have the stones to say our players are not performing well. They want to coddle them like Tommy Tommy Boy and, and uh, Chris Farley and old Tommy Boy. You want to stroke it. I mean, let's be honest here. A.J. Brown and Adam Humphreys were a big part of, of us losing that game last week. And here we are now. Everyone can say it was the defense and zero argument if we're comparing. However, when you cannot make the right play calls, as, as Kevin Bear sees in the com- – I see you in the comments there saying the play calling should be – let's see here. Sorry, I'll get it up so everybody can see it. That play call should be saved for two-point conversions to win the game. 
Kevin Bear, don't go anywhere. Make sure and come back every time we're going live because you're good bringing content. Good, stuff good content. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's something too. If we're all sitting here talking about it on Facebook, all these, you know, all these internet shows, we're all saying some of the same things, right? And these are all obvious, overarching issues that we've seen consistently. And I'm thinking here and now, are the Titans going to just, you know, white knuckle this thing, bury their feet in the ground? Or are they going to say, okay, maybe we could shift a couple things here and play some chess over checkers? And offensively, maybe utilize that passing that that play action pass a little bit more often, like we saw last year, where we were able to beat the the Ravens in, in Baltimore. All that to say, I, I it's just something I, I want Titans fans to have the have the ownership of the of the team as a Tennessean, wherever you are in the world, wherever you are as as a, as a fan. It's just something to me. I want people to be able to say, look. Here's what were the issues versus saying, well, I have a, I have an AJ Brown jersey, so I'm just going to go ahead and say he's the greatest. And it's like, there, there's no doubt he's one of the most talented guys to come out in the last five years. But his drops are officially blue check mark next to this. They are officially becoming a problem. Yeah. And, and it's all about perspective. I mean, no player is immune from having a bad game. It's just bad for us that last week, a lot of players chose last week's game to all have that problem at the same time. You have Derrick Henry, who had a pivotal fumble earlier in the game. Yeah. Perspective, though. If you look mm -hmm. at, I think that's his fifth lost fumble in his entire career. So he's averaging like one fumble every, I think, 205 to 210 carries. I'll take that. Mm -hmm. You know, just a terrible, terrible time for it to happen. The drops, the mental errors, things like that, they're, they're going to happen. It is okay to admit that your favorite player or your favorite team is human. You know, you don't have to blindly defend them all of the time. You know, and it, it, there's a line. There's definitely a line. You know, you don't want to be on the other side of that where you're, you know, publicly adding and tagging them on social media and attacking them, you know, where they themselves can see that's taking it too far the other direction, mm -hmm. but it's okay to admit that your team has faults and that people have faults and that they will be the first to tell you, you know what, that was a bad mistake. I shouldn't have done that, but I tell you what, I'm going to work on it. So it'll never happen again. Yeah. And, and I'm a hundred percent, obviously I'm wearing a Tennessee hat. So the idea of us, of us having issues and being honest, obviously it can get really toxic on, on social media. I think we've both seen that in different areas, but it's one of those things that, I'm not, I'm not saying we have to go on there and start lighting torches and get our pitchforks, but just, just be honest. Don't, you know, it, cause I've got so much trash, man. There are still people out there who have me blocked on Twitter and other social media platforms because I was saying Marcus Mariota was not the guy. And here we are in the future. Hindsight is 2020. I'm not, I'm not a toot my own horn guy, but I'm, I, it's just one of those things. If we can't be honest and say, we want a winning championship team as fans, but also we're here to talk with all fans as fans. And we're not trying to hide that. It's something that we can entertain and have this good time and all this kind of stuff. But let's be honest, man. Let's not forget the fact that honesty. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Bear, man, lighten it up. You mean the way we treat JG and even, and again, this is, a, this is not welcome to Valhalla. This is not the, this is the tighten up talk, but it is very similar even with, you know, people were making comparisons with Mariota and JG. I don't want to go down that, that rabbit hole, but, but yeah, there are certain, there are certain ways that if it's not going well, people get a little bit, you know, squeaky whenever it's someone that you like. Now, if it's a coach, remember, dude, when, okay, think, think about this for a second. How many players and or coaches have we gone from either loving to trashing or trashing to loving? Isaiah Wilson, like, Carter, Nate Davis, Robert Saffold. I mean, I you could go down the list. And I'm sorry, I don't want to take up all the, the air time here, but it, 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 it's kind of this this like opposite end of the spectrum, the extremes of these things, man. Either you love them so much, or you are on fire. And it's like, look, there's a healthy medium. So I just want to get that in there because you hit that nerve, and, and I, I think it is something that all Titans fans need to hear. And just saying, you can love this team. And be honest. Any good relationship or friendship you have has healthy lines of communication. So I'm, I just want to put that out there as far as let's just be a little bit better there. So And it's um, okay anyways. to disagree. It's okay to disagree. Yeah. All Every fan of every team doesn't have to agree on every little thing. I know that Adam Humphrey's name has come up a lot. And looking at the full body of work, you know, based on what we paid and what he's accomplished – Definitely not worth it, but he's had moments and I think he's just kind of been a victim of the injuries and the timing. I mean, there was mm -hmm. a time where we were referring to Adam Humphreys as the slot machine because he would run out of the slot. He would always be there for the completion and it took him a while to get there, granted. 
But mm-hmm. here lately, you know, you hate seeing a guy take a vicious hit that he took earlier this year. Come oh, yeah. back, have a couple of really bad moments in this last game, and then end up back on the IR again. So we wish him only the best. But, you know, seven games played this season, he's got 23 receptions for 228 and two touchdowns. Is that a return mm-hmm. on investment? Overall, no. But, you know, that doesn't mean you have to hate the guy, you know. Yeah. I, my thing is, is it's okay for us to be able to say that was a waste of cash. And even it's sure. funny, obviously, the Humphrey, Humphreys conversation, we got that kind of – up and going before they officially put him on IR. And I hope the best for these players. Here's the thing too. There is a divide between you're a, you're a player. This is your job. And then you're a human being. And we hope, you know, I know Lawan on busting with the boys has been kind of opening up about his ACL tear. And it's, it's a nice thing to see, not to say that I, I like seeing him down. I like to see the human side of these players as a multi-million dollar man, he is just as human as the rest of us and has these emotions and processes. And I mean, Ty Sambrello going down, Adam Humphreys. And that's the one thing we saw it on Twitter. What's the one thing you would ask for, for your team for Christmas, if you could have it. And I said health, because my God, that's one thing too. These Titans fans want to, want to, you know, sit back and look at, Hey, we're eight and four, but you'd think that sometimes we're the one and 11 Jacksonville Jaguars about to pick our new quarterback. Like we were in 2014, 2015 or 2015, 2016, excuse me. All that to say, I wanted to ask you something because we, we talked about Isaiah Wilson. I want to get to that in a little bit, but I wanted to ask you about, I want to play it out two ways. If the Titans line up this Saturday, this Sunday, excuse me, I'm thinking of Saturday. Uh, we have <laughs> company coming in town, uh, but this Sunday, if the Titans win, if the Titans don't win, does it matter to you? Uh, not a moral victory, but if they're just you know squeak a win out against this team, however it might go, you know go. And again, if you're watching with us in the comments, we invite you to throw your scenarios out. Obviously, let's play it out both ways. If if the Titans win, another step in the right direction, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, does the nightmare end where we are now? Uh, just I'm trying to play out the idea in my mind. If the Titans lose to the one and eleven Jacksonville Jaguars, who we have absolutely, I mean, we have culted the Jags as we have been culted by, by Andrew Luck for years. And and what if we go in there and just over overlooking? Because I don't really know where this team's at right now. But what do you think? I mean, let's play it out. If the Titans lose after on Sunday, what is this scenario like? If the Titans go into Jacksonville and lose this game this weekend, it is it is an absolute disaster. Um, I haven't played the scenarios out past that point because, honestly, it makes me a little sick at my stomach uh, <laughs> to even think about that. But if you go in and face a team that, it's losed, that has lost 11 straight games and you mm-hmm. come in as the leading team at the top of the AFC South and you manage to blow it, because you know the Jags would love nothing more with nothing left to play for in this year. They are a rowdy bunch, and you know that they would love to hang their hat on the fact that they ruined it for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So if that happens, that is an absolute disaster from a mental standpoint, losing to both Cleveland and Jacksonville back-to-back. I don't know how you would recover from that mentally. Um, I know that obviously it hurts you in the standings. Obviously it gives power to the Colts. Uh, as far as being able mm-hmm. to control that division. But mentally, how do you recover from that? I know that we've had you know slow starts to seasons last year even. We started very, very slowly, had a quarterback mm-hmm. change, turned it around, made changes. It can happen. But just like it can go from bad to good, it can go from good to really bad just as quickly in a league like this. So yeah. if we lose this game, I it is, it is on par with one of the biggest – let down meltdowns to end the season. We're on the verge of it if this happens. Yeah, Kevin Bear coming in again. Unless heaven and earth is moved, we're not losing to the Jags. I'm not sure. That's where I'm kind of – that's why I want to go down this path just to think through. I mean, obviously the scenarios that we're in with the rankings and, and then standings, excuse me, in the AFC for the conference. A couple of weeks ago we were in ninth, ninth place. Now the Titans are in, what, third place? Uh, excuse me, fourth place. Yeah, behind the Browns now. And I'm just thinking – Dolphins eight and four, Colts eight and four. You have the uh, Raiders, Ravens. Let's see at, at seven and five, and then here tonight, here in a little bit. Actually, it should be game time already. I want to keep an eye on this game uh, in case you want to watch along with us. Yeah, Aaron Andrews is doing some sideline work, so we'll keep an eye on that. But a lot of the, I mean, it's one of those things. You pull one out, the whole Jenga tower is going to fall down. All these teams are going to fall right into that power vacuum. And I'm just thinking, I mean. Mentally speaking, this Titans team has not necessarily had a great track record this year. 
obviously Dean Pease, Kerry Coombs going, which we could talk about that if we really want to, as far as how much we probably miss Kerry Coombs more than D Dean Pease. But again, it's just something to me that guys like Kevin Byard, the mental errors, the drops, it's, it's, it's a concern, the fumbles. I mean, that game could have been a lot worse Sunday against the Browns had the offense not just all of a sudden switch to gear, which it's great they can do that, but you can't hang your hat on, you know, let's hope we do it again this week against a 1-11 team because I'm and, not sleeping on and let's week. And let's be honest, that score was not as close as that game was. I think mm-hmm. that the Browns really took their foot off the throttle in the second half, and they nearly did it to a fault and messed themselves up. But I don't – I don't. It just seemed like in the second half they weren't being as aggressive as they were in the first half. And, you know, talking about the Jags, we barely beat them earlier this year. We yeah. barely beat the, the Texans earlier this year. We've eked out wins against the Broncos. We've eked out wins against the, the Vikings. You know, there are so many things where easily to start the year within the first five or six games, so many of those could have flipped the other way and we'd be having a mm-hmm. completely set, different conversation right now. They um, need to win out and win the AFC South. Sorry to cut you off. I thought we no. had a little bit of a gap there. No, that's good. Uh, and get a home playoff game. Steven Snyder, it, it's time, right? It's time. It's we've been 12 had, years. We've had nine and seven after nine and seven. I've had one too many of those beers, if you will. You know what I'm saying? I'm 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 overserved on nine and seven, and I do not want any more because it, it look at this rate. It's going to have to take a stars aligning if we're in that scenario at some point thinking, okay, if so-and-so wins and this plays out and and who knows if it comes down to like point differentials or something, but control your own destiny. And here's the thing. This last section of of the schedule is doable. It's not anything crazy, but like you mentioned, we've lost to teams like the Bengals. We've, we've squeaked out wins against the Vikings who we still don't, I mean, they're maybe they're a nine and seven or eight and 18, but it's just one of those things, man. Like, there's been times that you have two two road wins against two good teams, and then we just go out and and lay flat down. And I mean, it's it was out of the gate. So all that to say, it's I don't know, man. I'm 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 saying all this because I think my mind's kind of going that direction. I'm just thinking, where am I going to be at this time next week? Thinking of you know what's what's to come. So uh, and it's one too more easy. Com- it's too easy as a Titans fan to fall back <laughs> into that mindset because we've been here so many times. Yeah. Yeah, hey, we want to take a quick break here and just let you know about a couple friends. Obviously, we do not want to keep or, or have to charge anything for our content. We, we're not a big fan of that. So go ahead and support our uh, sponsors. And Parkway Poorhouse is the perfect spot in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in case you're looking for a great place to go. If you want a happy hour spot with an incredible lounge, obviously, you can see the backdrop there. Good bars. I'm telling you, beer selection, drinks, food, it's all top of the top top of the nines, I'll say. Uh, they are very good to us for Chat 10 Sports. They are the hub for all of our watch parties. So make sure in case you are in Chattanooga, Tennessee, you are invited this Sunday to the Chattanooga Titans fans watch party. Titans Jags at 12 o'clock, 801 Riverfront Parkway. Get there as early as can as you can. We got halftime giveaways, trivia, and much, much more. Um, but Blake, let's um I'm trying to think here. As the game starts against the six and six Patriots and the eight and four LA Rams. Is it something for you, man? Because I, I heard an opinion about Arthur Smith. Obviously, similar to the Titans year, he's had incredible stock rises in his stock as a potential head coach. And then some weeks you're just like, all right, all right that, that was on you, man. <laughs> you you got to <laughs> stop that. And as somebody, somebody I, I forget who it was, made the idea, made the, made the case that they think that Arthur Smith will be here for a year or two more just because he's still figuring out the play calling. He's still figuring out how to really play that chess over checkers. And here's the thing. In my opinion, Arthur Smith's probably the best offensive coordinator they have, they've had since Mike, Mike Heimerdinger, and that was a long time ago. I mean, we were, <laughs> we were still I, we were still really young. And it's one of those things, man. I, I, I honestly feel – I don't know. I'm not going to say Arthur Smith's a hometown guy. His dad run, helps run FedEx. It's like, no, Arthur Smith could go out there and get one of those jobs and probably be in a bad, really bad situation. I, and that's where I – again, we've talked about that so much, so I don't want to start that up. But it's it's – do you think Arthur Smith will be here next year after what we've seen the last three weeks? I, I think the offers are still going to be out there, but it's going to be where does he want to end up? You don't want to just take a position just to take a position because, like you said, some of these jobs that are going to be coming open uh, coming open are not 
areas or places or organizations that you really want to be a part of unless you are just really God's gift to coaching. Um, because not just surviving the franchise, but surviving the fan base. My gosh, the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. I mean, how many times have they supposedly had it turn around and it's just one disaster after another, after another, and then such a demanding market, a fan base, uh, as opposed to being in, in the Music City and having you know, big city living with a small town feel and having all these offensive weapons to play with. I mean, there are so many offensive coordinators who would just die at the chance to have Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and Jonu Smith and Ryan Tannehill and all of these amazing weapons going up and down the field. And it makes you wonder how much of it is, honestly, makes you wonder how much of it is Arthur and how much of it is the talent that he surrounded himself with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do I think he'll still be here next year? It's going to be tough to turn down some of the numbers he's going to see. Would I like to see him stay for another year or two? Absolutely. I think the chemistry is already showing, uh, you know, and it, it, it started to pay dividends very quickly um, mm-hmm. when he took over the Rams. Yeah, I know the Rams are getting inside the 20 right now. I think Cooper Cup, they're actually on the one. Probably about to score here. I, I did I did want to just say I thought it was a little bit – I don't know, man. You could see this thing go either way with Arthur Smith because he just seems like the kind of guy that's not going to be – you know, this money hungry guy, of course, get your, get your bacon. If you can get it, go get, go get the bag <laughs> as the guys over on, on the competition problem, say our new sports betting podcast plug there. Um, but yeah, it, it's just something, if you go get your money, go get it. But my thing is, is again, as much of a, at times where we can complain about the Titans problems, they've got a really good thing going right now. The culture's right. You've got the talent. Are some coaching decisions wrong? Yeah, but doesn't everybody have those problems, right? I mean, is it something that we're really – are we really the exception or are we the rule? You know, like are, are we going to be – and that's where I'm thinking for everybody out there watching. And, again, if you're watching with us, I know uh, Armando Faril coming in here, mi hermano de make uh, Come on, brother. Good to see you, man. Kevin Bear saying he would rather uh, coach the balls than the Jets. <laughs> it's close. It's close. <laughs> 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 that is awesome. Um, coming out again. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Kevin Bear saying again, we can't fumble in our territory, drop TD passes. That is something too for this week. Obviously, none of that stuff is on Arthur Smith, but it does put a cramp in his ability to really get the passing or the office going. Um, not not a huge thing that we've seen from Henry as far as fumbles. So that was a rarity in, 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 my, in my opinion. I hope it stays a rarity, but it's just something for – Arch Smith, I, I I wouldn't be shocked either way, but that's the first time I've really actually heard that proposed, saying I wouldn't be shocked to see him stay. But I want to throw this out here for everybody watching with us. Obviously, it's been a huge conversation piece. If you're a Titans fan from anywhere, is I is Isaiah Wilson? Make sure I spelled his name here correctly. I'm sorry, I just typed this up. Did I get that right? It looked right. Okay, uh, is Isaiah Wilson officially a bust? Because I do want to have a little bit of a conversation. We're going to stay at about an hour tonight in case you're watching and thinking, hey, I got to go take the trash out or whatever. We'll be here until right about 9 o'clock. But Isaiah Wilson, okay, I'm going to let you go first because I got a little bit, not like a – I don't want to say a sentimental feel for the kid. Like, obviously, it's, it's, it's a long-winded conversation that I want to open up for all of us. So, again, if you're watching, do us a favor, share the show, and then invite friends and say, is this guy a bust? Because I'm sure there are so many group chats, group texts saying this guy's a, a dud or he's just having a rough patch. But what do you think, Blake? Well, let's lay out a little bit of the timetable because I know that everybody knows about Isaiah Wilson, but we may not know about everything that's going on. This started way back in camp, back in July, uh, ended up on the COVID-19 list. Can't fault somebody for ending up on the COVID-19 list. My gosh, I've done everything right. <laughs> Temperature well, checking multiple times a day. I'm also a pharmacist. Yeah. So like I am, I am like holding to everything and I still ended up getting COVID-19. So ended up on the COVID list in camp. Not worried about that. What I'm worried about is August 15th. August mm-hmm. 15th, he attends an off-campus party at TSU. Uh, drugs at the party, flees to a balcony on a second floor, and as they're cornering him, it looks like he's about to jump off the balcony. So doesn't, but warning bells start to go off. Okay, why would you put yourself in that situation? Why would you run? Why are you even considering this? And then after that, he ends up on the COVID list again, which I'm more concerned about because he was already on it once, and he's breaking NFL rules by actually going outside of the bubble interacting with groups that are larger than what the NFL told them to do, Mm -hmm. still throwing all these things aside. Then in September, you have the DUI. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. not just a DUI, doing guts on Broadway, from what I'm told, and then crashing his vehicle into some concrete. Really, really bad. So just mm-hmm. one thing after another after another. Kid can't get out of his way. Kid can't handle success from all looks. Uh, and then most recently, a one-game suspension for violating team rules last week, which from all accounts is just this cum- you know, culmination of all these other things. And then now he's on the reserve non-football injury list. And all we know at this point is that he's dealing with some personal issues. Uh, the quote from John Robinson was, uh, it's going to take him some time to work this through. We're going to continue to help him and support him with the hope that he can ultimately rejoin the team. Mm-hmm. Am I ready to call him a bust? I'm pretty close to it. Um, even though it's not necessarily fair because we haven't given him a chance to see what he can do on the field, but the kid is showing me that he's not interested in doing what it takes to get on the field in the first place. Uh, and for all these people who are like, oh, cut him, cut him, can't do that. Not a wise mm-hmm. decision right now, not a practical decision right now. Uh, according to Track, if we were to straight up cut him right now, uh, we would lose around $2.8 million in cap savings, and it would be $5.4 million against the dead cap space. So it makes absolutely no sense to yeah. do that. We, uh, the we only too much money as it is already this right. season. Right. <laughs> we already have so much money tied up in Clowney and Beasley and all these other situations. Granted, yes, if it's a problem, you want to get rid of the problem, but it, if you've got to do everything you can to avoid that. The only real option you have is if you were to be done with his you know, shenanigans is to trade him. And if you trade him before June the 1st of next year, it would save you $2.6 million. But at this point, who in the world would want to trade for the guy? you got nothing to go against. You've got nothing on the field yeah. to show for it. You have no – it would be basically a $2.6 million lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. And there are not a lot of teams that would be willing to take that chance. And it's funny because it, I've seen – and I think this is what we're referring to. I know you and I have seen these tweets and things like that of trade him. This is not Madden. This is not EA Sports, guys. We're not talking about things where it's all of a sudden, hey, just you know, throw Isaiah out there and get whomever you might – you know, or throw a first-round pick and get rid of Isaiah Wilson. This is – you know, you, you got to drive with both hands in the wheel if you're going to try and, you know, steer this thing in the right direction. I did want to uh, – Armando Farrell said uh, he's he's most problematic – excuse me, more problematic, I believe, than Pac-Man Jones. I'm not sure if I would say that yet. He's Because here's what I think, and, and I'll say this 100% out here. I'm not a huge fan of Pac-Man Jones as a person. Same, same. And and we've got some relationships with folks who have dealt with him, and it's something that I obviously you've heard the stories. I don't think Isaiah Wilson is that type of guy. I don't think he's a Pac-Man Jones type. I think he's the kind of guy. And here's what a lot of folks are are, are acknowledging. Obviously, first round pick, first round picks are brought in to do what? They're brought in to start. They're not here to sit be put on the COVID list twice, go to TSU parties and jump out of windows and be at a, what, 30 people party or whatever it was. DU, I mean, come on, DUIs, obviously red flag, doing donuts at, on Broadway, who I'm from Nashville. I've never, I've never, never even done that. Even whenever Broadway was a small little, you know, Franklin type of downtown area, it seemed way back when. But all that to say, <sighs> I think Isaiah Wilson was just shocked by the reality that Dennis Kelly is starting right tackle. And it happened in that same area, obviously around training camp. And all of a sudden I'm not a first round pick. I'm not starting by my, by the team. They don't care about me. Screw all, you know, and I think it's just one of those things. You can be black and white and say it's smart or it's dumb to do what he was doing, or there's other things happening outside of it. And a lot of voices, it's very, I mean, I get both sides of the arguments. You can be, you know, get out of here. You know, you're you're someone even going to the point this week, I think of saying, you know, you're dead to me. And it's just like, again, Lawan over here saying I tore my ACL. He's, you know, the on on screen character. But now you're getting to see a little bit more of, of the dad and, and busting with the boys softer side. And it's like these guys are human. And Isaiah Wilson, that's why I respected uh, John Robinson's comments that he made. Like we are still committed to walking this guy through. And it's not something that that. Obviously, you know, you don't get into a relationship with somebody just to get into it and fight. Things happen. You know, decisions are made, good or bad. Some some relationships are salvageable. I hope this is one of those because we've seen the Kevin Dodd relationships. We've seen the Vic Beasley relationships. And it's like, obviously, these things are going to happen. But it's just all happened in 2020 to nobody's surprise. So I've got a little bit of a, uh, I guess, a little bit of empathy. I've been, I'm not saying... I've been out doing donuts on Broadway and all that stuff, but it's it, it's easy to understand. And this is something too between somebody made a made a comment to me today. Well, you know, he's just a kid, and and if if you're 20s, you're you're an adult. 
You know, if you can get drafted, that all, all those cliches, if you can buy cigarettes, whatever, he is an adult, but let's be honest, you're not you're not really together until you, I mean, are well past your early 20s at best. So all that to say, I'm hoping that he can turn it around. I hope the Titans, because again, they've always had the mantra, how you treat the team is how the team treats you. Team, team treats you, excuse me. Um, it, it's just something that, that they're really putting that on, on example. They've given him basically an inch of a leash, suspended him one game, and all that stuff, just like a Dory Jackson's injury, we have no idea what's really happened since since you know DUI and and, uh, and Broadway Donuts. So uh, Kevin Bear saying here, he's 20. Let's see here. He's 20. He's still learning to be a man and about life. One hundred percent for me. I don't know if I, I. Do you have any compassion for the? I'm not saying you're. You know, you're stone cold. You know, you know what. But it's like, do you have? Do you understand where he? You know, he he could be at. You know, given some of the, I guess, telltale signs of what we're looking at. It's true. I mean, that very well could be the case. And if that be the scenario we're looking at, it's one of these watershed moments in his life. When you face adversity and you have a rock bottom moment or you have this awakening moment, how do you respond to it? Do you get better or do you show apathy and not get worse? And it seems as though he's had a couple of these where he's like, oh, I'm about to screw up this golden opportunity, you know, and Mm -hmm. we haven't seen change yet. But he's getting down to his final chances here, honestly. And I hope I, I would be I don't think there's anybody in titans nation that is actively pulling against him and wanting him to fail we would all love nothing more than to see him grow into the role that we drafted him to be mm-hmm. um but it it's all up to him it, it's yeah. going to be taking steps to get on the field taking steps to show that he's not going to put himself in these situations and be around these people and be around these influences that are causing that i had not given thought to the scenario that it could have to do with not starting out of camp that's a very valid reason And, you know, a kid of that age, even though he's a young adult, you know, could respond differently to that just depending on Mm -hmm. the way he's responded to adversity growing up. And I think that goes back to, you know, what we were talking about on the last broadcast as far as like the scouting and seeing if he had had episodes like this prior. There's none that I'm aware of. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, normally these things don't just randomly show up for the first time ever in your 20s. Normally there are warning signs before that. But I'd I'd love nothing more than to see the guy starting on the offensive line. Goodness knows it would solve a lot of the problems that we're facing right now. For sure, and it's something too. I know that just the mention of of that whole process to the scouting draft, the whole the whole zoo of just basically, you know, like cattle just getting you know getting this huge workout facility or you know at, the, at Lucas Oil every year. Um, but to me, it's one of those things that what comes to my mind is we were trying to have a, a specific guest, and we're going to let you know who that was. You know, talking to Paul Kaharski about coming on. Um, had a great article about how the Titans basically just basically must be cringing at what they said about Isaiah Wilson on draft night. And there's, I'm not going to read his article. I would recommend you go there. Um, even if you're not a member, I I'm a huge uh, fan of PK. He's been helpful for us and uh, it is a great site and all that stuff, but it's one of those things uh, not to say and all that stuff. I'm sorry. Great site. And we, I would highly recommend it, but go read it for yourself because it is a cringeworthy read just to think man of where we were, how highly they spoke of him. And here's the thing too, coming from Georgia, Arkansas head coach now who was the offensive line coach at Georgia was his, his O-line coach. And, Solid guy recruited Cade Cade Mays away from Knoxville, right? It's one of those things when you have right people in your corner and you have that stability system that a lot of these guys probably have. And I don't know Isaiah Wilson's, you know, upbringing. I'm somebody that you might think, hey, you know, middle class white guy, you come from a good, you know, good background. It, it's not all great. It's not all terrible either. But people go through some stuff, you know. So it, it's like that's why I'm just thinking. Let's sit back and and look at the. The, the timeline here and where did it all really go wrong? And so that's where I'm just thinking, I don't think you could have spotted some type of red flag, you know, unless he was just putting himself out there. Like he was sitting, sitting at a bar after a few, you know, one too many drinks, but <laughs> I'm just thinking you didn't have that. You didn't see that. And John Robinson, who is a Jedi, you know, Jedi master level uh, scouter here and has a great scouting department that we've seen on display with guys like Jayon Brown and, and several others. Um, you land big with Jeff Simmons, AJ Brown, and here it is, Isaiah Wilson. I mean, that's where it's like everyone who wants to trash J Rob, you can have all that negative, but there's also a ton of positive to go along with it. 
But let's take a comment here. I wanted to get back to Kevin Bayer. I know he chimed in here. Appreciate the interaction tonight, sir. Not ready to give up on Isaiah. It's always good to, uh, I mean, second chances. I know, I, I know Isaiah is going through some chance, chances here. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not quite out on him either. But uh, let's seven nothing uh, LA Rams here. Intentional grounding. Let's see who's got the ball. Sorry, he'll, I'll let, yeah, Jared Goff, of course. Not huge on the, on, on the, the Rams, even though the eight and four Rams is, is surprising. Um, anything else that you want to talk about prior to wrapping up here, Blake? Not really, man. Just trying not to overlook this game this weekend. I know there's a lot on the line coming down the road, kind of locking up these playoff positions. Win this game against the Jags, you're still looking at a playoff possibility of about 95%, but you're not to that point until you win the game. So don't mm -hmm. chalk it up as a maybe. There's no group that would love to screw it up for us more than the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> they would relish the opportunity. But hey, in case you're new to us, this is the Tighten Up Talk. We are a part of the Chat 10 Sports Podcast Network. If you're a fan, Predators fan, Braves fan, find these podcasts wherever you listen. You can search Chat 10 Sports in the search bar on any platform, and we will most likely be there. And if we're not, let us know, and we will try to get there. Introducing today our brand-new podcast from Mike Ionello and Ben Bobic. It's the, complication, excuse me, the competition problem. I'm still trying to get that one down. It is also live anywhere that you listen to podcasts in case you have a competition problem let ben and mike help you out every single week they're going to throw out their their takes on some of the best from nfl i mean they could go anywhere so buckle up and get ready to fix have a fix for that comp <laughs> complication <It's> competition <laughs> problem struggling tonight man uh but again this sunday in case you're in chattanooga tennessee come out and hang out with us watch some Incredible uh, atmosphere for the Titans watch party here in Chattanooga. But the Titans Jags, uh, 12 p.m. Uh, early time, arrive, get seats, get settled in, and let's root the Tennessee Titans on to victory against the old Duval Jaguars. Uh, but, guys, let's wrap this show up. Blake, appreciate you jumping on here, sir. Let's see here. One last comment. The Rams are the NF NFC version of the Titans. Hmm, I'll have to look into them. But Kevin Barry, hmm. everyone watching, thank you so much for checking us out. I'm Trey Wynn, as you can see here, or I guess right there. Trey Wynn on Twitter. Blake, the RX guy. COVID Blake, I want you to change your handle. Will you change your handle to COVID Blake? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll go as far as changing the handle. I, I changed my display name on there. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. In, no, in parentheses. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, for COVID Blake, Trey Wynn. Thank you so much for checking us out and make sure to check out chat10sports.com in case you're new to us. But again, have a great week. And as always, tighten up. Tighten up. <laughs>